0: Hello, this is This Sober Life, a podcast by two 20-somethings trying to navigate the world sober. I'm Faith. I'm Alyssa. And it's still January. It's still 2017. And this week we are going to be celebrating Alyssa's one year. Is it an anniversary?
1: I don't know if it's an anniversary. I think it's just like I wanted to kind of mark... This is my one year of, so on the 19th, um, of January last year, I went into the hospital and so I kind of saw the 19th this year as being my mark of kind of recovery and starting my start, the start of my journey to kind of get to where I am now and to like really explore myself and make some serious changes, um, so, yeah, I don't, I mean, maybe it'll be like a small anniversary to me every year, but one year kind of felt like, oh my God, I have to do something about yeah. this.
0: It's it's basically just celebrating the catalyst that mm-hmm. precipitated the change. Yeah, definitely. Um, so how are you feeling now that you're one year out from that that period of your
1: life? <sighs> I mean... So it was actually funny. I had a terrible day on Thursday. I just everything that could go wrong went wrong. I wanted to like look nice and for people coming over. And I woke up 15 minutes after I was supposed to have left. And so I was in a big rush to get to work. And then work was just like even more dull than it usually is. And I just had these I was just having panic attacks just about, you know, I've been struggling with, um, finding a job and, you know, being able to pay my bills and be a person in the world. And, um, it just seemed like everything was going to a head that day. And then I went to therapy and was able to kind of like parse out. And I think that I was expecting, I was expecting to like, feel this change on that day. I was expecting to like, wake up and be this person that, this changed person. And, you know, I am changed. There are a lot of things like I am feeling way more centered and balanced on most days than I do. Um, and I'm learning how to ask for what I need. I'm learning to tell people when I'm not doing so well or when I need help or, um, you know, and those are things I didn't do a year ago. Those are things that I kind of waited until something exploded to happen. Um, yeah, I noticed that even with like really small
0: things, like I know that the party was supposed to start at seven and you just posted a message saying like, Hey, gotta get shit together. Let's all start at seven 30 instead. Yeah. And I needed that
1: half hour just to like center myself. Yeah. Cause it was just, I was having a crazy day and You know, like, I think looking back on it, I am changed. There are a lot of things that have changed. Um, But I feel like I expect too much of myself. I I expect there to be this vast difference in me to be like this completely different person. And I think that I'm learning to realize that I am still me. I'm still going to be me and I'm still going to have my things. But, you know, slowly how I deal with those things will be the difference of change. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? Yeah,
0: it makes perfect sense. And I also think there, there's a societal pressure to feel differently during milestones. Mm -hmm. So milestones that could be like the new year. A lot of people are dealing with that. It's 2017 new year, new you, um, or like just like one year celebrations after that was the cat, um, (laughs) one year celebrations after, Big changes happen. And so we build ourselves up and we build ourselves up and we build ourselves up th- thinking that we're going to feel differently or that we're going to experience some huge awakening. And then when that doesn't happen, we become disappointed.
1: Yeah. It's a way to kind of just almost like play into this idea that you're a failure. I don't know. I think we like to drum that up and. You know, I've been thinking a lot about this idea of like the American dream and this idea of like pull yourself up by your bootstraps and how that myth um, fools a lot of people. And I think that applies to this too, you know, like especially mental health. It's this like pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Like you have to just deal with dealing with life in this like strong way is the only way that you can do it, you know, because I mean, I love my, I love my parents, but they were not good about dealing with my depression at all. They're still not. My mom's idea of helping me was, well, you just have to get out of bed, Alyssa. You just have to, um, put, put clothes on. You have to do these things and, you know, that'll exercise. You need to be exercising. And, um, this idea that you have to just pull yourself out of it and, um, when you don't, then you're a failure. Yeah, it's like you
0: have to ignore your feelings if you feel negativity. Well, that's on you. Yeah, like I definitely felt a lot of the same growing up. Um, my parents weren't particularly good at talking about feelings, and so whenever it came to me or my brothers being sad or upset about something, um, some of sometimes one of us would be more vocal than the other. Sometimes we'd cry over it, and their reaction was usually not feel your feelings. It was usually stop it, like why are you crying? There's nothing to cry about. You're not dying or anything. Look at all the things you have. You have a roof over your head. You have food to eat on the table. Stop crying. You're being ungrateful. And so you learn how to suppress those feelings and tell yourself, like, I don't deserve to be sad. I need Mm -hmm. to be happy. Yeah. Um, Which in itself, like it, it doesn't allow you to deal with those emotions and so you're just suppressing them suppressing them suppressing them and they're not going anywhere they, they might go away temporarily but then they just bubble up and come back full force
1: yeah and I think you know a lot of my so I say that it was kind of the mark of my um recovery now I mean I only have uh seven months sober so um it didn't, it took me a little bit to realize that drinking was really how I was trying to deal with my mental illness. I was so, it was consuming me so much and it was, you know, I couldn't get out of bed and I couldn't do these things. And so to be normal, to mask all those feelings, I drank Because I was a really fun drunk and I was happy. And so that was how I created my happiness was drinking. Um, I felt included. I was doing things. I was out and about. Um, So how I dealt with my family, um, all of those things were because I felt so empty on the inside. And, you know, that was really what happened in January. You know, I had been drinking. I think we talked about this, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, I met all those feelings finally just burst out and I couldn't handle it. You know, um, it really like swept me up. Um, and so thinking about this year and being honest with myself about kind of who I am and, how I'm going to deal with my life and really like addressing my mental illness. I mean, that was, it's even weird for me to say that now, but you know, I have a mental illness. It's not going to go anywhere. It's also, did you, so I've been applying to a lot, a lot of jobs and there's like a disclosure part on like, all job applications where you have to like say if you have a disability and being bipolar or having depression is on there. And I was like, fuck off. I'm I like not that. telling you anything about
0: my life. I don't like that at all because, like, you don't know who's reading that. And yes, by law, people are not allowed to discriminate against people with disabilities. But again, there are a lot of people out there who just don't really understand it and still stigmatize mental illness and like that's no one's business
1: that's no one's if it's not if it's not
0: impacting the job you do and what you like your ability to accomplish what you need to do for your job then like that's completely like out of out of scope of what they need to know
1: yeah and honest like who is i mean i guess some people are like i'm gonna tell you that i'm depressed or whatever but i i was so angry i was i was so angry at this like like I need, I felt like a leper or like Mm. saying, you know, you have to point out the fact that Mm. you are disabled in some way. How, why does my disability have to be part of what you consider? Mm
0: -hmm. Exactly. And, and like, I get that there are actually a lot of organizations and companies that do provide good resources for people who need help with like mental illnesses and other physical disabilities too. Um, But you don't know what that company's culture is like and how helpful they're going to be until you're in it. Yeah. And until then, like, you don't know how they're going to use that information and how it impacts insurance too.
1: Yeah. And this is the thing is that like, my depression or my mental, my mental issues have never come into play at work. The only things that came into play at work, um, were towards the end when I was serving and I would just get wasted and was unable to come to work Mm -hmm. the next day. Like, but that wasn't due to, you know, I got myself up and out Every day that I needed to, I guess I have to, my parents to thank, even though they've, that whole mentality really, I think that I got up and was able to function, but emotionally I was just getting worse and worse and worse because I wasn't, I just kept ignoring all those things. Um, and I wouldn't recommend it because you end up in the mental ward, um, But I have to say, so that day, um, my friends took me into the hospital around 11 and, um, I, it took until about 1130 PM by the time I finally got up to the ward that they were, um, going to keep me at. And I was, I've never been more exhausted in my entire life. I had been just crying, fighting with my family I and mean, my family decided to, my, how my mother deals with things is she yells. And so I had been fighting with my mom and my dad and try, like they were keeping me in holding and there, there were all these doctors that were talking to me. And, um, so I finally got up to the ward and I was, you know, you have to be in, a, you have to be in a, wheelchair and you have just on this awful, um, hospital robe and your my hand, my arms were all bandaged up. And I just like, it was such a surreal moment to be like, this is where I am. And so they pulled me into a room or they wheeled me into a room and there was this nurse and she just was talking to me and I'll, I'll never fucking forget. She said, she looked me right in the eye and she said, Alyssa, she said, Alyssa, you're better than this. You can get through this. I, you, if you don't get through this now, you are going to keep coming back here and you're never going to be able to leave. And I, I, it just like hit me so hard, like that recovery is a fight, And I have to fight really hard every single day or she's right. I am going to end up back there. And when I was in rehab, you know, there were girls there that have been institutionalized and you know that they're going to be in and out of institutions for the rest of their life because they don't know how to work. They don't know how to to operate in the real world. Cause in there, you know, there are parts of it that are really, everything's taken care of for you. You're on a schedule, you know, you get food, snacks are scheduled. Like everything is super regulated and you know, that can be really enticing to someone who has a mental illness, you know, (laughs) having other people take care of like your problems. And, but you know, every single day I would be like, I don't, there's, I never want to come back here. I never want to be back here. Cause you also have no freedom. Everything's like laid out for you, but you are not allowed to run. You're not allowed to wear shoes. You're not allowed yeah. to It's, do any of it's that like
0: everything's regulated so that you can cut out anything that would be unexpected, which in Mm -hmm. some ways it's comforting because there are no surprises. But then in other ways, it's like, there are no surprises. There are no
1: surprises. Yeah, it was, so, you know, and it seems surreal. The whole, that whole experience seems surreal. It was, you know, I was in the hospital in January and I was very much, like I am never going to be here again. You know, I had that experience with the nurse and I was determined. Um, but there was like a big question because, um, I didn't think that going home with my parents was going, was going to be a good idea. I was like, I don't think this is going to be a good idea. And my mom, you know, kind of made it sound like things were going to be different which I think I just wanted them to be different. And to her, to her, you know, to her defense, she tried, she's been trying, they've all been, we've all been trying to kind of adapt, adapt to what's going on. But, um, that doesn't mean that things were that much different and being home and being so fragile, just so, so fragile, you know, it wasn't, it was at like a month later that I was back in the hospital and with like my most serious attempt, um, you know, wrote a note, all of those things. And that I feel a lot farther from like, I don't know that that was probably the scariest moment of my life. And and it had been about drinking. That was what it all came from, which is like, it's funny that it took me literally in the middle of rehab to be like, oh, maybe I have a drinking problem. But um, I had been upstairs. I've been sneaking. So my parents have like an entire bar, like a full bar, fully stocked.
0: Oh, yeah. You've oh, yeah. been to my house. Thanksgiving. Huge, Huge Thanksgiving. basement bar, bigger than a lot of like seedy um, like hole-in-the-wall wall bar, la, can't talk. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of uh, dive bars have smaller bars than your parents do.
1: Oh, yeah, huge bars. So mm-hmm. I was just sneaking beer from downstairs and bringing it up to my room and drinking. And so it was Sunday, and I decided to have a Sunday fun day for myself and had drank like, I was drinking the pumpkins. Have you ever had a pumpkin? I fucking love pumpkins. Oh, yeah, I know. So, you know, the, the bottles that they come in are Huge. like 40s. Yeah. yeah. Um, or like a little bit less than a 40s, probably like whatever. But so I drank three of them.
0: And it's the equivalent of six drinks for you guys who are trying to do the math. <laughs> yeah, a
1: lot of drinks. Um, and I um, and those are really strong. Yeah, they're like 10% ABV, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, clearly I've had a lot of pumpkins (laughs) in my day. (laughs) (laughs) So I was drinking those and then I was hanging out with Riley and um, my dad found the beer and was really upset and they were yelling at me. And so the next day, my mom was really upset with me and we were fighting and she said some really terrible things to me. Um, and, you know, I just shut down and, you know, she told me that maybe I should just die if I didn't want to get better. And I just, I just shut down. That was it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was... I don't know. It was a it was a crazy experience. I've never felt so quiet in my whole life. Um, and you know, my mom and I fought about <laughs> we were I was back in the hospital and my mom and I were fighting about, you know, whether or not she said that. And you know, semantics or semantics, whatever, if she didn't say it, then it's what you heard. Yes. That's what I heard. And that, um, I'm not going to say that that's what made me do it. I think that it probably something else, you know, it was, it was brewing something, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't healthy and, um, my, you know, I, I needed help. And I think that, you know, at least that spurred it on, um, and I'm getting back into the hospital, I was like, because the emergency room that we went to, um, they didn't have a, they didn't have a psychiatric ward, so they had to transport me, but they have to put you on this bed and they have to strap you down because you're a psychiatric patient and so literally being strapped to a gurney getting rolled away like that was my life like that was what was happening to me like a year ago and it's just it's so crazy i don't know it's probably crazy to hear about it but it's it was crazy to go through um and to I should think about, you know, life without life outside of that and life being sober and clear, you know, with my family for Christmas, I felt, I thought that I was going to be so anxious about like not drinking in front of my family. And I was, I felt clear and good. And that was kind of amazing. Um, and kind of showed me like, this is how far you've come, Melissa. Like you've, you fucking like did some. You know you got mm-hmm. somewhere. So, so let's talk a little bit about coping
0: strategies because Ooh. clearly, like if you if you didn't change something in the way you responded to stress and your family and those interactions, you could have very well ended up being in the hospital again after that second time. Yes. So, so what, what would you say changed between like how you previously coped with things
1: to now? You know, I think communication is a big thing. I think that I, I started to verbalize, what I was feeling, um, and not just trying to ignore what I was feeling. I think for a a very long time and with my family, I still have this problem and I'm, I'm working on it, but like, I always kind of put my feelings second and put everybody else's feelings first. And whoever I was interacting with, their feelings were more important than mine. So if I was uncomfortable or if I was, um, you know, felt strongly against something. I wouldn't say it because I didn't want to hurt that person or make that other person feel bad or tell them that they're wrong. Or, um, so I think that I started to tell my parents, like, this is hurting me. When you do this, you are hurting me. Um, and I think that they, they responded, you know, like they were like, oh, okay, I won't do this. Oh, okay. And it became less scary to be like, when you say things like this to me, it hurts me. Like for a really good example, I was um going home with my my dad was driving me home for Christmas from Christmas, and um he was saying he I forget what he said, and I told him, um, we were talking about what he says to me when he tells me that I'm 30 and I should have a job. And I told him, I was like, when you say this to me, it makes me feel like a failure. It makes me feel like I have failed and that I'm not doing good enough. He was like, I'm really sorry, Alyssa. I won't say that anymore. So that's, (laughs) that's coping differently. You know, that's saying when you do this to me, it hurts me or, um, you know, it makes me mad when you X, Y, and Z. So I think that that's, been a huge difference to me to kind of like, I don't know, cope. Yeah, that's awesome.
0: And by the way, fuck anyone who's like, you're almost 30. Why haven't you met these certain milestones? Because, uh. my God. 30 looks very different depending on who you are. I know. Yeah. Uh, no I can't... angst here.
1: <laughs> I can't even believe I'm going to be 30.
0: Having my own angst. Oh, shut up. I'm turning 30 before
1: you are. I, uh. Uh, By, like, a couple months.
0: Yeah, but still, like, what will we say on our tagline? Because we won't exactly be 20 I mean, We something. just outed our
1: ages. Shit! Wow, I was really trying to keep that anonymous. I'm 21, guys! Guys, I just hit 22. I'm a baby! It <laughs> was um, at work, This <laughs> my boss, because we have, like, celebrations all the time at work, and they're always, like, drinking, and um, my boss goes for like one of the first times he goes, Usa, you're 21. Right. And I just was like, Oh my God, just barely. I just turned 22. I was like, yeah, I'm, yeah, 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 yes I am. And he was, and then of course I had to be like, no, I don't drink. It's fine. And then they, they do the thing where they're like, no, but really you can drink. I'm like, I am aware that I can put <laughs> that in my body. I am going to choose not to though, because I want my job.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Oh gosh. Um I don't I don't recall if I
0: talked about the exact time that I decided to stop drinking when we were talking about the fall cuz I think I was a little dodgy about current events um during that episode. Uh but yeah, the last time I drank was for a work-related thing. And it's always a work-related thing. Yeah. And and so Like, yeah, like you talk about keeping your job, but at the same time, like you start getting comfortable enough around your coworkers because you spend most of your day with them. Yeah. And so they become kind of like your friends. (laughs) You start drinking around them and you start making really questionable decisions because of that, like comfort and the rep that you like brought you've worked up with them, spending so much time with them. And then you're all bonding over similar challenges since you see each other every day. Yeah. And then it turns into 10 beers and you're dragging one of them to your boyfriend's house at midnight.
1: <laughs> yep. Been there except no boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I I think it's also this mentality of everyone fucking hates their job. So like with your with your coworkers, you're like, we're going to bond over beers and how much we hate our jobs because like nobody else in the world wants to hear about your fucking job problems because, no, you know, like no, everyone's gonna be like, oh, man, my work sucks. Everyone's like, yeah, yeah, so does mine, you know, but with your coworkers, you can talk about your shitty fucking boss because they also know how shitty he is, but like nobody else is yeah. going to understand. You can talk specifics like about how the databases are frustrating you. Yeah, or <laughs> how the kid that sits right across the table from you slurps his drinks and shoes with his mouth open and drinks the entire day. And I can tell you what he first he starts with a tea that he puts honey in and then cluck, clangs his all around the cup and then slurps it down and then moves on to LaCroix and puts the LaCroix in a wine glass with some ice and then slurps that whole thing and then crunches the ice and then gets another one and drinks all like eight hours. We're there for eight hours. He drinks the entire time. I don't, maybe, maybe that's specific. I, I mean, I'm not saying this happens to me. I'm just <laughs> maybe there's someone else I out there. Or, or the
0: jerk who reheats leftover Chinese food in the common area and you smell it the rest of the day. <laughs> that might be me. Sorry. <laughs> I learned my lesson the first time after our CEO shot me like really, really Dirty looks, and then asked me what I was eating, and I felt like I was being shamed, and <laughs> never had Chinese food again at work.
1: <laughs> and then there's the co cowork- my coworker Jackie, who's always like eating really like weird things that you can never quite tell what they are, but they just look weird, and she just is like munching on them and drinks Coke at like with like flat Coke, <laughs> like. Eight o'clock in the morning. I'm like, Jackie, what are you doing? And her background picture is a picture of a um guinea pig or like a hamster that's standing on a little, sk- a little skateboard. So it's someone's just holding this hamster on a skateboard, and that's the background to her computer. <laughs> That sounds cute. I um no,
0: at, it's my, weird. at my old job, at my old job, I'll say one more thing about jobs. At my old job, um the cubicles were set up in a way where I was in the front, um, and then there was a colleague who was behind me and she could always see like what was on my screen, which really wigged oh, me out. No, that's awful. But also kept me from like going on Facebook and fucking around during the day. But anyways, I don't know why I thought you were gonna say
1: porn. I was like
0: I, I keep my porn habits at home, Alyssa. Come on, I know better than oh my that. God, I don't um, want to see your porn. <laughs> but anyways, she she had this like visceral hatred for Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> and so I, tur- I I created a collage of just Ro- Robert Downey Jr. pictures and put it. Up as my wallpaper on my computer. <laughs> so every time I booted that baby up every morning. Booted
1: yep. baby up.
0: Mm-hmm. Hello, Robert Downey Jr.
1: Yep. That's so passive-aggressive. I, I love it. I know, I'm a jerk.
0: <laughs> um, all right. So... Let's bring this back to drinking since uh our podcast is about drinking. Oh my sobriety. god, it's about drinking? No way. Yeah. You didn't know that? No. Um, more you know. Uh so so how have you how has uh not drinking really impacted your ability to work through these like challenging situations? Yeah. Cause like you're not happy all the time. No, I'm not. Just because you stop drinking, as we talked about, like milestones don't cure.
1: Everything, Yeah. And apparently lithium doesn't either. <laughs> that's what they got me on. No, it's working a lot. It's working better than anything else has. But, um, so I, yeah, cause I was thinking about it. So, um, I had gotten out of, I got out of TK and so I had, a, um, about two months sober and then I went home and, um, I, two things happen. One, I, um, I jumped into the lake and I got, I think I maybe had an earache and water got into my ear and I had this like blinding pain in my ear. It was so horrible and I couldn't like figure out what to do. So naturally what I did is I drank a beer really, really fast, hoping that I would throw up and then it would like pop my ear. And that didn't work, of course. So I drank another beer and then, um, took a fistful of my sister's, um, Klonopin and blacked out for 24 hours. Um, apparently I was drooling on myself and like eating ice cream and being insane, which I don't know if you someone is drooling on themselves, why you wouldn't take them to the hospital, but whatever. So I woke up, had no idea, like lost 24 hours of my life. So that was, and then, like, in my head, I was like, well, no, that's not actually a relapse because I just was trying, I was just in pain. So I was doing all this stuff because I was in pain. That's so- also the most creative reason why anyone would like, <laughs> drink a beer that I've ever heard. Like- by the way, <laughs> that's alcoholic thinking. <laughs> if, you, if you haven't caught on yet, that's alcoholic thinking. Um, and then I came back to the city and. My parents were very much like, well, we're not going to help you anymore. Good luck. And I was really upset about it. So the one day I drank one beer, I probably stole yours. Sorry about it. I didn't notice. I just bought more. So I stole, I drank a beer and was like, that's fine. I'm fine. And then the next day I drank, um, a thing with vodka in it and At that point, I kind of did like that mental slap on the cheek. Like, what are you doing, Alyssa? Get out of it. Like, this is not going to bring, this is not going to bring anything good to your life. So, um, I told people, I was like, I drank, um, I restarted my calendar and, or my count. And, um, I, you know, kind of started over and I think that this time it just felt done. I was like, I'm done with this. I'm so done with this, sip, this like cyclical response that my life is. You know, everything will be fine. And then I would start drinking because I think that I'm fine. And then everything becomes not fine very quickly. And at this point, it's like, I know that's going to happen. So why am I going to do it again? That seems ridiculous. And there was just this kind of calmness and I still feel it like, you know, it's not like, I don't feel this like crazy high from not drinking. Although I did feel like really like high and good for a little while, but now I just feel just calm about it and not, it doesn't, it doesn't seem dramatic. It's not, um, as angsty mm-hmm. anymore. It's just kind of, I just feel I feel okay with my decisions and i feel and that's something that i haven't felt in a like ever yeah and that that to me is more addicting than anything else like feeling like oh my god yeah like i feel i it's good i'm just going to go to sleep right now and that's good like Oh, and I think I'm proving to myself that I'm actually capable of doing things like that, you know, and for a lot, I struggle a lot with like not feeling like I'm capable or able to do things. And I'm showing I'm like proving to myself like in small ways that I am. And that's, that's really fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Um. One one thing you said that really stood out to me that
0: I can definitely re- relate to it was that everything would be fine, and so then I would start drinking again because I would think that everything is fine, mm-hmm. and then everything wouldn't be fine. Yeah. Because uh, God knows I've done that so many times where like I would decide, oh, I'm gonna see if I can stop drinking. Okay, I stopped. I didn't have any alcohol for two months. I feel great. That must mean I'm not an alcoholic because yeah. clearly I survived without alcohol for 2 months. So, I'm just going to have a sip of this beer. Look, I didn't have to drink the entire bottle of beer. I'm fine. The next day, I'll just have one drink. See? One drink, I stopped. I'm fine. The next day, you have two drinks. The next day, you have three drinks. The next day, and it just like goes downhill because of that thinking of like, oh, I can control it. I'm fine. Everything's fine, and then everything's not fine. Yeah, and then you're resetting that clock again.
1: And, and the, the the fun. I love the the things that you do where you're like. Um... I had one drink and then stopped. I'm definitely not an alcoholic. I am way better than an alcoholic because I only have one beer and then I totally left. So now I'm going to congratulate myself by drinking yep. another drink because clearly I'm not an alcoholic. It's totally fine. And I'm just going to drink one more. Like <laughs> that. And it's like ridiculous. And I did it all the time. Yeah. I would like. I would just be like, oh no, I'm fine. I just needed a break. I just needed a, a breather for a second. Now every now I'm good to go. Yeah.
0: But um, it is so freeing to like finally get to that point where you realize like, well, yeah, maybe I like I feel like I could probably have a beer tonight and stop at that one beer, but I'll know that that's just going to reset all the work I've done mm-hmm. and by next week I'll be with a six pack. It, like basically making all the same mistakes I've ever made because like you, you get comfortable in thinking that you're fine and you're able to control things. And then that just completely sends you down that downward spiral. Yeah. And so like knowing like, Oh, well yeah, maybe I could have one beer tonight, but I'm not going to, because I I don't want to put myself back into that situation where I was a year ago.
1: Yeah. Also hangovers are, a really great reminder. Like I always just like Alyssa. Remember those awful fucking hangovers that you had? Like, do you really want that? Do you want that again? And I'm like, no. Mm. So you don't want that again. Or the times you have to like call off of work because you're too hung over to go to
0: work, or even worse, you have to go to work because you can't call off of work, and so now you're like interacting with coworkers hoping
1: they don't still smell the vodka in your breath. Yeah, you're just like a fucking garbage person. Mm. Um. Or smelling people that like, have you been in a thing where you've had to smell drunk people Yeah, at this point and you're like, Oh God, like I was in an Uber today and these like the I love like boys that wear the, the low sweatpants and like yo bro 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 like so these two guys get in here they're like broing it out like so great and then they get dropped off at some like rich fucking house and like you guys are not gangster you're not street but whatever they came into the the car and they just like reeked of that like gross alcohol like, clearly, they each probably drank a six-pack or something because it was a beer smell. Mm. And, I'm like, oh, God, it was just, like, the worst. Um, I just think about, like, how bad I probably smelled.
0: <laughs> yep. <laughs>
1: <laughs> probably really smelly. Yeah, same here. Same here. With like so sloppy.
0: The rate that we drank pretty regularly. And we never drank together either, which baffles me.
1: I know. Well, we weren't friends. <laughs> <laughs> we would all like separately get drunk in our own rooms. <laughs> yeah. And I'd make questionable life decisions mm. that you'd be like, should I stop this? <laughs> no, it's not no. my business. Just let just let her hook up with the fucking fudge pot. Fudge pot. <laughs> get chocolate left at my doorstep. <laughs>
0: Oh, man. Yeah. So needless to say, we don't have any of those surprises happening anymore. No. But I don't think that makes life any less interesting.
1: Except for, like, sometimes, <laughs> Not, okay, this, maybe this is just my own. And I, like, like it. I'm not saying this because I'm not, like, yesterday was, like, Saturday night. And I'm, like, snuggled up watching Gilmore Girls. <laughs> and I'm, like, this is my life now. Like, I don't, like, go out and party or anything like that. Um but I'm okay with that. I think mm-hmm. I did enough partying for a good while. Um, but it is funny because that's another That's another thing where it's like how much your life has changed, mm-hmm. you know, like now. And I don't feel that need that I used to. Like I used to have this need to be hanging out all the time. And if I wasn't hanging out with people, then I wasn't like cool and I didn't have friends. Um so it's nice to just like not feel that pressure. Yeah. Anymore. Well, I used to get
0: so anxious if, it, especially on weekend nights, Friday nights, Saturday nights, if I didn't have plans, then I would just be thinking like, "Oh my gosh, I'm I'm such a loser." I, I don't think I actually thought I was a loser, but it was more like, "Why why can't I find people to hang out with?" I um, think I'm a loser all yeah, the time. You're not a loser. I think you're not? Thanks, Barry. Okay, <laughs> the <you, Uncle> hero, Lisa.
1: <laughs> I don't
0: know why I'm talking like that, um, but yeah, like I would get super anxious come the weekend if I didn't have a plan or a backup plan, like three plans to choose from, a party to go to, people to hang out with. I
1: love how neurotic um, you are, where you have like three separate plans. because well, like I did, I, you have the timings blocked off too. Yes, because and a spreadsheet. I hang out with
0: artists. <laughs> And there's like a high prob- probability that one of them will flake. So I needed to make sure I had a ba- Shut up. Anyways.
1: <laughs> I just um, want to know if there's a spreadsheet for each weekend.
0: No, that's too much work. There's there's a Google calendar. Um, anyways. Which <laughs> basically. But yeah, like I used to get so anxious. And now, now like I, I had plans lined up for tonight. And I was like, mm, don't feel like it. So I canceled them. I'm the I'm the flagging artist Ooh, now look at you and it feels so good it, it feels, feels so good <laughs> I I love sitting at home by myself and I'm not being facetious like I honestly mean that no I was very disappointed yeah. when you and Akshad our new roommate came home <gasps> just kidding I love we, you guys we can
1: leave I
0: <laughs> know then I'll be alone <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's the alcoholic thinking right there.
0: (laughs) But seriously, like, it's just so, as you said, it's so nice to, like, be able to just wind down at 9 p.m. on a Saturday Saturday night and just feel good.
1: Yeah, and know that you're going to wake up feeling okay. Mm -hmm. I think that's great. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. Because, like, it's also this thing where I feel pressure to do sobriety in the right way and to be doing certain things, like certain things are going to keep me sober. Um, And I think it's like the the part of me that is just like the rebel that's like, oh, you're going to tell me to do something? Fuck that. I'm going to do the exact opposite thing. Like, duh, you can't tell me what to do. But... (laughs) That, that's my inner voice. That's what I sound like <laughs> inside my head. Um, but I just immediately want to do, like, don't. I can't do the thing that everything people want me to do. And I don't know. I've struggled with that because I, you, you know, not following those rules makes me anxious that maybe I'm like, vaunt, like I'm susceptible to. A, a relapse. A relapse, mm-hmm. and it's it's just like a, it's like a struggle. It's like how much do you kind of listen to other people, and how much do you just like listen to yourself and say like, "This is what I think is good for yeah. me," or "This is what I think is healthy for me." I think it has to be
0: a mix of both things because, like, I mean, there is a certain way that people recommend that you quote unquote do sobriety. Um, like you want to make sure that you are not isolating yourself. You want to make sure that you're hanging out with other people who support your sobriety. Um, you want to work on the issues that you had that kind of led to your alcoholic drinking and alcoholic thinking. Um, and so there are certain systems in place that help you lead through that. But like, I was the same way where I felt like I had to go all in to do sobriety the right way. Um, and then I realized like I was Basically, just doing what I do with a lot of other things that created problems in the past where I go 100 percent in on one thing and completely neglect and abandon everything I've worked for um, up until that point um, for this new thing, um, the new thing being sobriety. And so I got to the point where I was like, you know what? let me just pick and choose what works for me. And I do have that same fear that like, oh, well, if I'm not listening to the experts, then I'm yeah in danger of relapsing. But like you have to go, like a lot of the things that they say in sobriety is like their recommendations, like everything that we are saying works for us, but it won't, yeah. wouldn't necessarily work for someone listening to the podcast.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I mean, like in a weird way, you know, this podcast is a really great reason yeah. to stay sober. You know, we're not
0: isolating. Like, we're putting
1: our shit out there. No, we're just letting it all hang wow. out. <laughs> um, but it like it gives me it makes me accountable. Mm-hmm. In and, in a, you know, this, this podcast keeps me accountable. We're forced to talk to each other
0: about where we're at in our sobriety once a week. We're forced to be accountable to each other because like we, that would be a really lame podcast. Me talking by myself for an hour about not drinking. Um, <laughs> yeah, like we're, we're accountable to each other. We're talking about how we're feeling because some podcasts have, or some episodes have been more positive than others too.
1: Yes. We're positive people. Yeah. yeah I guess that would that would be how I'd describe us. Yeah. Perky, perky,
0: <laughs> smiling all the time, smiling all the time, all the fucking time.
1: Life is just so good. Everything's
0: fine. Everything is it's fine. fine. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm, fine. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fucking fine. Um, but yeah, like the podcast does. I it definitely helps me with my sobriety. Yeah. Um, being able to lean on friends too, who understand where I'm coming from and understand that sometimes I want to talk about it. Sometimes I don't want to talk about it. Sometimes I just want to watch TV and shut my brain off.
1: Yeah. I think it's even like, to me, even a little bit more important than like the understand what's going on is that they understand me and they mm-hmm. know who I am and they are just, just supportive of me. You know, I was, I was, I wasn't someone who lost all my friends because I was drinking. I had amazing friends that sat there and held me and nursed me and did everything they could to, you know, keep me safe. Um, and those people are, you know, those are my people. Those are the people that matter to me the most. And I, um, I don't feel the need to just only have sober friends or be Mm -hmm. surround myself in that world. Um, well, I like it. It's, it's great. But like the people that really know me, the, my people, you know, they aren't in that. And your friendships aren't based on drinking. No, they're based on like a million other things. And, you know, and the best part about like being sober now is I realize how little they drink, like really like not at all. Um, and they're supportive of me no matter what they're like, also do whatever, you know, they're not trying to tell me that there's like certain ways that I need to do things or, you know, they just love me. And I don't know. I think that that's been really important to me and my friend. Cause I came back to, the city with a lot of shame, a lot of shame about what happened and what I, how I like the things that they had to do for me. And I did kind of like avoid them for the first few months of being sober. Like I didn't really contact them. All I did was talk to sober people. Like I didn't really, I don't know. I guess I just felt really, I felt really bad. Like I felt like embarrassed that I, that I had done that to them. And it took me like a little, and it took me like a couple months until they were like, listen, we love you. Mm -hmm. Like we love you. And we're not going to do anything that makes you feel uncomfortable. We're not going to do, um, like we're just here to support you. And, um, you know, and me realizing to like be a friend back to them. Um, I don't know. It's just something that I'm like coming back to. And that feels really good. That feels like way more important to me than, you know, other things. Community
0: is important, and I think both of us are lucky in that we have we have those friendships that mm-hmm. aren't based on, around drinking. They're based on like actual human interactions and caring about each other. Yeah, um, which is great. And and not everyone has that, but there are a lot of opportunities to find that. I mm-hmm. think um, drinking seems like drinking has that ha- habit of creating an artificial sense of comfort because you're all bonding over. Alcohol.
1: Yeah, which is why it's so great for like co-workers because you don't actually like each
0: other. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's really awkward having to interact with a lot of them sober. Uh the ones who are listening to this, I don't mean that about you because you know about this.
1: Ones that are listening to this, I totally mean that about you and get the fuck out of my life. <laughs> I'm just
0: um Yeah, so so we talked about being accountable. Um so be talking about sobriety and not just shoving it off to the side, which we do through this podcast, um, having a community, what, what are
1: other ways that have like helped you stay sober? I think we talked about this before, but like being creative, mm-hmm. get like, I think that like our friendship has been so amazing because we've just like been able to create together and like, getting new projects to be excited about. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'm putting myself out there in a way that I have never put myself out there before. And it's been awesome. It's been so great. You know, I've p- performed at Solanathon for the second time, um, which was amazing. Uh, and I got such great feedback from that. And, you know, I have this, I have these opportunities to kind of do new things and be artistic. And that is, I think, huge, Um, so finding, finding myself through the things, you know, I think a lot of times that whoever's drinking, there are things that you love to do. And then those kind of get put on the side for your drinking. Mm -hmm. Um, and so coming back to those things and kind of like refinding them, I think is essential. It's totally essential. No matter what you do, you know, if you play chess if you you know play sports if you do any of that stuff like coming back to that and like you're able to like almost re-remember you get to remember like what made you fall in love with it in the first place. Find
0: things that you're passionate about. Yeah that's so important. Yeah like I've been doing a lot more filmmaking um like I was doing quite a bit before I stopped drinking but now I'm actually able to just like bring my camera out and like during the women's march on Saturday. Dude, that video you made was so amazing. I was so excited to do it. And I cut that stupid thing together in like an afternoon. Yeah. And we went right
1: like, to work. We got back from the march and she was like,
0: put like, <laughs> <laughs> it on Facebook for three hours done. Yeah. But yeah, like um, it, the old me would have been like, that was a fun march. Let's go drinking. And that video still would not have been done. Yeah, at this point, because I would have drank in, and
1: you would have gotten up today, and then went to brunch, and had like bottomless mimosas. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man, how things have changed! I know, but I'm proud it's of great. us. I'm proud, I'm proud of you. It.
1: Oh, thanks. I'm proud of you too. Finn. Yeah, I'm so glad we're friends. And guess what? We wouldn't be friends if we were still drinking. I know. I It's crazy. Like I think we've talked about this before, but like we really didn't ever connect with each other. Because and we lived we together so, for like a year and we a half. We were so fucked
0: up the entire time. <laughs> we weren't. We weren't just like fucked up in a sense like drunk. But like we were so inside our own heads yeah. that we like couldn't take the time to be
1: like, hey, Alyssa, how are you doing? I haven't seen you in a few days. Yeah, we just did, like, the weird, like, ships passing in the night where we're like, oh, hey, hey. And then just, like, you need to go to the bathroom? Oh, okay, yeah. that's fine. <laughs> and now I'll, like, get anxious if I don't see you in a few days. I know. Days. <laughs> like, when are you coming home?
0: When am I going to see you?
1: <laughs> it's so funny. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I think it's been good. It's been, and like, that's the thing is 2016 was a goddamn awful mess year. And it's funny. Cause like people, I understand that like on the whole 2016 was bad for everybody. But when people are like, Oh my God, 2016 was the worst. I'm like, you have no idea. In that voice. I de- <laughs> like, I'm like, I know it was, yeah. no, it was bad. I win. I win. Um, but like trying to think about it, like, some of the best friendships have come out of this year. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think that I'm really grateful. I'm grateful for it. I'm really grateful for this year, even though it was terrible, even though horrible things happen, some really amazing things happen. And, you know, I think it put me on the course to having a lot better years mm-hmm. to come. Hopefully this is a good one coming up, but you know, maybe if I'm still, if I still have work to do, then the next couple of ones will be really good yeah. after that.
0: And it's like, you, you have to experience the bad before yeah. you can appreciate the good. Yeah. And, and I also think in some ways, like we don't expect 2017 to be perfect by any means. Like, no man, Donald Trump is president uh, Nothing's gonna that. be perfect um, Yeah, if anything, it's kind of been crappy The, the past month um, If I'm completely honest But because we we've seen What really, really, really bad looks like And feels like like if really, really bad happens again, like we know we can get through it. Yeah. I'll be like, brush our shoulders off. Yeah. I've been through this and there's, shit. There's good at the end of the tunnel. Like, and then things will be bad again, but then things will be good again. Like it yeah. all comes in waves and we can trust ourselves now to just go
1: through it and ride it. Yeah. And I think that like, you know, I've always said this cause you know, I haven't had the best life, but you know what? All of, all of the bad I've experienced really, really bad, but that also means that I get to really appreciate the good and I get to fully, because if you don't have bad, you can't recognize good. Mm -hmm. You don't, you're not cognizant of it. And so I feel lucky that I get to be really cognizant of the good and I get to really appreciate it and know that it's meaningful. And I think that's a gift of you know, hard times and struggle is that
0: exactly. So I think to close today's episode, um, let's, let's list a few things that we're grateful for today.
1: I'm grateful for tuna. That's my a cat. That's my cat. Her name's tuna. Actually, her real name is Luna Lovegood. Um, but then I just started calling her tuna. Cause if you look at her little face, she's just a tune. Um, I'm grateful for my cat. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for our new roommate, Aksha, who's a tuba player. Shout out to Akshat. Shout out to the tuba player. Um, no, I'm, I'm really grateful for all of the new relationships in my life. Um, I think that that's really... I don't know. I think that you, human connection is really important to me and being connected to people are, is really important to me. And I've just really, I, man, I've just been so lucky with friends. I have a, the best people in my life and it's so cool. I don't know how I got so lucky. So I'm really grateful for that. Yay. What are you grateful for? Um, I am grateful
0: for you and Akshat and this apartment. Um, The fact that we can do creative things on a whim like this, like start a podcast, turn our living room into a photography studio, (laughs) um, have a bunch of artists over for like production meetings, like shit like that, that, that is amazing. And I know that you can't do that in every living situation. So I'm like, so grateful for that. I'm grateful that we live in a city full of people who care about politics and fighting for social justice yeah man um especially this past weekend it was really
1: nice to just see that, was, be that sp- was one of the best moments of yeah. my life that was so much mm. love yeah so many great posters yeah and like yeah, you so good. I,
0: I feel like this past election we keep on coming back to
1: politics has been
0: so vitriolic on both sides. And so the women's march uh, this past Saturday here in Chicago was just so peaceful, full of people who mm-hmm. who just wanted to stand up and fight for human rights. Yeah. Human rights. Um yeah, so so being able to live in a city that cares that I, that's, um, that's something I'm really grateful for. And then finally, I am grateful that I have this tea to keep me warm and heat that is finally working. Oh my God. This yes. Stupid apartment. Our apartment
1: heat was broken. I was not thankful for this apartment that Before. week for a whole week. I had like dreams of being of snow, just like snow. <laughs> it was awful. Um yeah, and finally like enough yelling, they finally fixed yeah. it. So now our apartment feels like a real just in time place. for it to be fifty degrees and sunny outside. I know,
0: right?
1: Story. <laughs> um, but
0: I I I am grateful for global warming just this weekend. I know that the you know greater implications of global warming are not so Terrible. good. Yeah. But for just the past forty eight hours, thank you, global warming, for keeping us warm.
1: Yeah. My day, that was a it was a perfect day to march. Mm-hmm. So great, yeah. I don't know. I'm grateful for. Oh my gosh, a little aside. So I was looking at celebrities that came to that went to the march, and Cher was out and Gillian Anderson, Ooh. and I was like, oh, I'm sorry, my two favorite people in the entire world. I picked wonderful women to love. Did they both go to the DC march? Um, no, I think they were in an LA. LA, yeah. yeah, LA eclipsed
0: the DC march by like yeah, it was like two hundred fifty. It was like yeah. or seventy five thousand yeah, seven hundred and fifty thousand. Yeah, there we go. We know our numbers. Um, yeah, I, I think despite the administration that is currently ruling our over our country right now, like we have a lot of good people who are. Yeah, the
1: woodwork. And yeah. And that's I've said this before. Like, I feel like if anything comes out of this election, then I think that people are finally starting to wake up and realize that we need to create change. I think mm-hmm. that we've been sleeping for a lot of years and, you know, we have to be cognizant of what's happening, who's elected. Um, we have to pay attention. Silence and apathy are not good because dinguses will get elected and then Mm -hmm. we have to deal with their fucking asses for like four years yeah but think of it
0: this way if if they can be elected and put in some of the highest and most powerful offices in the nation then anyone can yeah
1: and with that with that Thank you so much for listening to us, guys. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. Super. <laughs> <Sober. laughs> Good night. Bye. Night.